You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. I never forget my third year undergraduate degree that I did. I did a, um, a film degree, actually, um, funny enough. And my project was a group assignment. Can I hear a cheer for group work? <laughs> and um, it was to create a soundscape for a piece of film to put the sound effects in, the music, and and and, and level it all and create that. And it was a, I know what you're thinking. That's a pretty fun assignment. And so we thought the same thing too, me and this other guy that paired up. And uh, we said, look, on a list of priorities and assignments we have, let's put this later, classic uni student move, and let's worry about it at the end of semester when we got to hand it in because that sounds fun and we'll easily get it done. You know where this is headed. <laughs> semester goes on. Um, fast forward a couple of months. And I'm looking at my calendar and I realize it's due in like two days. And so I can feel the color drain from my face as I realize I've done nothing on it. It might be fun, but this is going to take a couple of all-nighters in the studio to get this one done. And so I ring my, my work group partner and I said to him, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? And he says, it's done. <laughs> it's finished. Um, he noticed I hadn't contacted him. He noticed it was getting due, so not wanting to fail, he went and did the assignment. Awkward. <laughs> and then the next perhaps even more awkward part of the conversation is then me asking if my name was still on the assignment cover sheet, <laughs> which it was. <laughs> and it's one of those moments that I realised I'm one of the reasons that group work is hated by people. Working in groups, working with people, we are, well, at least I'm not great at it. Laziness, opinions, experiences, styles, convictions and egos. Mix it all together. It's sometimes so much easier to do it ourselves. Um, Sometimes, because we know what's right, don't we? (laughs) Group work, working together, it's gross. Deep relationship, any type of relationship can be such hard work. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. In the last part, I said that there are three reasons that we should intentionally practice repentance and reflection in our life. In our calendars, we should intentionally plan to have processes in which we deliberately repent and reflect. And I want to continue that train of thought today. But first of all, let's continue reading the book that we are studying, Leviticus 6. Again, we're only reading snippets of it. It is a dry, methodical, recipe, contextualized book that's written 3,500 years ago. And so we are just taking broad themes from it, but we're encouraging you to read along in full when you have time, but we're not doing it all online. So let me read this snippet from Leviticus 6, which we're in a part that is talking about offerings and sacrifices. So let me read Leviticus 6. The Lord said to Moses, if anyone sins is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving a neighbor about something entrusted to them or left in the care or about something stolen, or if they cheat their neighbor or they find lost property and they lie about it or they swear falsely about any such sin, that people may commit, when they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen 
or taken by exhortation, um, exhortation, or what was entrusted to them, exhaustion, sorry, or what was entrusted to them, or the lost property they found, or whatever it was they swore falsely about, they must make restitution in full, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it all to the owner on that day. They present their guilt. As as a penalty, they must bring it to the priest, that is to the Lord, their guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect and of proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord and they will be forgiven for any of the things that they did that make them guilty. Number two reason that I want to encourage us today to develop a rhythm, a way of in repentance and reflection is number one, it grows our relationship with God as discussed last week. Number two, which is often forgotten, it develops our relationship with each other. In this passage, Leviticus 6, which is highlighted from the sin and guilt offerings, covers our sin against God as we talked about last week, which I encourage you to go back and look if you haven't because it gives context for this, but also covers our sin, our brokenness towards each other. This sacrifice atones and covers the disconnection with each other. And not only that, I love this book gives ancient wisdom and pathways to reconcile and make it right, not just say I'm sorry, but actually do something about it. Just just consider that for a second. Maybe you're watching, you're skeptical about the Bible. Maybe you're a Christian and you're skeptical about the Old Testament. But just consider this for a moment. Three and a half thousand year old document. And within the first six chapters of it, it speaks on gratitude and worship. It speaks on making things right with the Creator. And now... Already it's speaking about making things right with each other. What a profound, progressive, divine, ancient group. Anyone who questions the Bible, which is totally fine, because the Bible isn't God, the Bible won't be offended if you question it. It'll be okay. We're meant to wrestle with this thing. But you better also question how on earth this inspired writing came about. Understand that at a time they are the tribe next door is killing each other or sacrificing their kids to try to make it rain or doing horrible, woeful, broken, disgusting, primitive things. And this tribe is wrestling over how to make it right with each other. Modern society has still not figured this out with our own divisions and differences. This is profound stuff. You have to wrestle with how on earth they found this, came up with this, if you don't believe that he's not inspired by God. So let me go on a tangent and I'm going to get straight with you and I'm going to talk a lot of church culture here because I felt led to speak about this today on the back of this. I'm going to be careful not to overstate this, but I believe this point, what we're talking about today is one of the most, one of the most pivotal things 
our churches and more broadly the Western church needs to hear and practice right now. I believe what this ancient book is speaking to in this chapter is one of the most pivotal issues. Hear this again. Our church, our churches, when I say church, I mean our the collective of followers of Jesus need to hear and practice right now. The idea that Christian community isn't just about healthy, growing relationship with God. It is about that. But this tells us it's not just. It also includes healthy, deep, excellent relationship with each other. This is huge. This is game-changing. Excellent and healthy relationship with each other. Sounds simple enough, but Western church language and structure would suggest the complete opposite. I'm going to dig into this, and I don't want to feel like I'm giving churches a smack. It's so easy to deconstruct faith and religion. I hope that this gives us an opportunity to build stronger rhythms and stronger communities in our current season. But somewhere, know this, somewhere at some point in church history, church became a service that was provided, something that we received, something that we got something from, something that was consumed, something that we drove our cars towards in hope and expected to get something from. Scripture doesn't, the Bible doesn't really suggest this at all. (laughs) Because the Bible tells us that God has already come. Jesus has already saved. The Spirit is already here. We've been given everything we need, the Bible assures us of. If we live on the Gold Coast, Australia, then we've been, which is where I'm from, or we live in any sort of Western civilised society, chances are you've been given a fair bit of what you even want as well. So there is no holy tent or building or sanctuary that we drive and get something from. The Holy Spirit resides in us. The collection of us is the church. There is not a holy tent, a building, a sanctuary. The Holy Spirit is already here. It resides in you if you know Christ. And then the church is a collection of those people. We are not asked to consume, but this is important. We're not asked to consume, but to respond to everything we've already been given in worship, in gratitude, in reflection and remembrance. And to God, we are simply called as a group of people. Yes, we're meant to gather together, but to love God, listen, learn, devote and follow. And then almost as a reflex in every part of the Bible, we are called to then love God, love each other. Sacrifice, repent, To God, fix things with each other. Going to make a nation, call a nation, free them. You are to worship me and then you're going to be a priesthood for all the nations. It is always the response. Or as Bill and Ted said, be excellent to each other. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry, go watch Bill and Ted. It's a must after this. Or as John says in 1335, Verse 13, 35. 
by all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The gathering of the body of Christ is about Christ, but it is also about each other. So our commitment to the gathering is not foremost about excellence in secondary doctrine, excellence in wall colour, excellence in song choice, excellence in even teaching style, excellence in the type of coffee or the bun you have after church. I'm so sorry. That stuff's important. Some of that stuff's important. It's actually a commitment to regular worshipping of God with a commitment to excellence in relationship with each other. I say sorry because I'm so sorry if you've made it about something else. Some of you will think what I'm saying is really obvious. <laughs> but again, the behaviour and design of our religious structure says something differently. Put it this way, we come to a room, we face one person, we sing songs we like, we then label everyone that doesn't like the exact same things as us as, oh, they've gone Pentecostal, or they're a little conservative. (laughs) We label people instead of trying to fix or be more holistic, I guess, in the body of Christ. And then we take what was a community meal a confession, a messy, yes, reverent meal in remembering Christ, in what was a celebration of our common union, and then we turn it into a silent little sip, which honestly we could do in the back corner of our house if we wanted to. No one's stopping you from drinking a little bit of juice, a little bit of bread in silence any day of the week. It was made for community. It was made to do together. Yes, sometimes silent for sure, sometimes in reflection, but sometimes messy and loud and as a meal. I don't know, my experience in churches, we almost moan when we have to talk to each other. We roll our eyes if our services are not in the right order. (sighs) And then even in our modern churches, we develop so many services so we don't have time to talk to each other in between. If that doesn't say we're about the consuming of the product but not each other, then I I don't know what else it says. And then as I was talking to a pastor friend this week, it all gets condensed down. That whole experience of surrendering and worshipping our Father and gathering in the Spirit with each other so that we can go on and live life and create and inspire in the divine gets all bundled up to, that was a good service today, Pastor. <laughs> I don't know. Get, what? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. And we move on with our week. Here's why I bring this up, because all of that has elements of it's made to reach more people and we're, we've it's by design and it's helpful. So I'm not knocking the structure. It's, again, easy to knock the structure. I want us to take this as an opportunity to rethink. But here's the reason I bring this concern today and felt stirred to speak on this, because with COVID, with our isolation, seeing that in the rear vision mirror, though, We have learnt that we can do the entertainment thing from our couch. So it's no wonder people may or may not or statistically are not returning to church globally 
Because if church is something you drive to come and watch and consume, then skip the drive, put the air con to the temperature you want, sing the songs you like, and do it from your couch. Makes a lot of sense. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-video. We're literally recording a series and you're watching one right now. I think it is a profound way to reach out. But it is not everything. We are in trouble if that's all the community becomes. Aircon, popcorn at home, watching TV. Because sooner or later, it won't become entertaining as Netflix. Sooner or later, there'll be something better like The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and we'll just stop watching altogether. My personal conviction, if you haven't been offended by me today, my personal conviction and my invitation, the gatherings on Sunday's aim is not comfortability, fun, feel good, or do your favourite ritual. It's a practice, a rhythm of worship and sacrifice. It's a rhythm of commitment to God, of course, and then each other. It's a non-downloadable time. It's authentic. It's simple. It's community with God and each other. Why the giant rant? Why this tangent today, Steve? Even if it's true, what am I trying to build here? Am I just being deconstructionalist? That's a word. If I, am I just tearing things down? What is the invitation today? Well, let me bring it back because I think the solution to this disconnection is found here in this three and a half thousand year old model of holy set apart community. An encouragement here handed down to these people to yes, repent to God, but then to each other. Completely profound for this time and today to fix and work on relationships. The ability to walk into church as a self-admitted broken person who longs to connect with God with others that are broken. It looks like saying sorry to someone, but then making it right. Not going, oh, that was hard. They were horrible. I was horrible. Awkward. I'll move church. I'll change channel. No, not at all. It means coming when you don't feel like it. Not because it makes Pastor Steve happy or your pastor or it's a nice thing to do, but because you long to just bless, connect, love on a fellow church family member. It looks like worship that is surrendered, not with your eyes on wondering if you can raise your hands or kneel because the person beside you looks a bit cranky. <laughs> you're not worshipping them, you're worshipping God. It looks like tears. It looks like brokenness. It looks like a war zone hospital. This is an invitation towards mid-small tables or small groups, commitments bigger than Sunday to each other, where we can share more deeply, raise even more questions, and encourage and challenge all the more. It looks like real prayer for each other without religious mumbo-jumbo, not just surface things but true, true brokenness. Disconnected relationships, loneliness, heartbreak, fears for the future. And it all starts with a practice of repentance and reflection. Because when you understand you are less than perfect, when you understand you make mistakes, when we understand we are all capable of getting it wrong, when we understand we all are capable of destruction, and you're called to repent 
to God and make it right, you're totally disarmed. You walk into community totally disarmed, totally surrendered, totally unassuming, literally just open and ready to listen, learn and connect. The Friday just gone was a glimpse of this for me. We do a food help service here at the church. It's just one of those mornings, it's always great. But this morning was just filled with, I don't know, the people walking in were struggling. They knew they were struggling. And so they were grateful. Not because we do that much for them, but we were just here. They knew they were broken. There were tears. There was openness. There was prayer. There was laughter. There was joy and gratitude. And I sat back after Friday with this reflecting on this group of this profound time, talking and and connecting with those that knew they needed help and just thought, imagine if that's what Sundays were like. Imagine if that's what Sundays were like. I don't say this to be hard on us. My stirring is if we can nail this, if we can go into this next season with a practice of repentance and reflection, if we can humble ourselves, serve each other, be excellent in our relationships above all else, I just believe God will do something profound. I believe that creates the perfect environment for God to do something incredible in us. You know what? I said I had three reasons that we should practice repentance and reflection. That's my second, to grow relationships with each other. But we're going to finish there. We're going to come back next week with our third point as we continue this series in Leviticus. But let me ask you three questions as we finish off. Three questions to ask those around you, those you know, your community. What rhythms of reflection and repentance can you place in your life in 2021? What rhythms of reflection and repentance can you place in your life in 2021? What ways can you be more excellent to those around you? What ways can you be more excellent to those around you? And who can keep you accountable to this? In all of that, we need each other to help keep us accountable. Who can say, Hey, are you doing that rhythm? And you can say, hey, are you doing your rhythm? <laughs> Who's in your court? Who's encouraging and challenging you? They're my three questions. Hey, look, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you like what we're saying, if you're enjoying it, please share it around, hit like, hit subscribe, and I will hopefully see you for the next part of this series around looking what it looks like to have a holy year.